You are listening to an MLGA Network podcast. All right, Desi. All right, guys. We're here. It is a beautiful day here in the Dirty South. And uh, this is your host, Jesse, with the Voluntary Vixens and my lovely co-host, Maddie, who is not in the Dirty South. Well, I'm technically in Maryland. We're below the Mason-Dixon line, so certain Yankees up north like to call me a, a Southerner. Oh, yeah, actually, I, but you know that happens to me too. A bit bigoted. A lot of my friends from Mississippi and Alabama and Georgia they say that Tennessee is the North, which I think is hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, my sister when she was down there in Knoxville, she talks a mile a minute. Period, and so, but everybody down there was like. That's a northern accent, or that's a northern thing. And it's like, we're from Maryland. <laughs> we're smack dab in the middle. Yeah. But, you know, technicalities are technicalities. Welcome to Voluntary Vixens, where Jesse and Maddie give a female voice to news and pop culture with a libertarian twist. Join us to stay informed and challenged while keeping it sane, peaceful, and most importantly, voluntary. Let's see, we're going to just kind of have fun with this episode. This week, we kind of got pulled into a, a book challenge. So we started putting up our the books that we felt moved us in this direction towards liberty and voluntarism. Maddie started off with Anatomy of the State, which is probably a pretty appropriate one to start with. Did you want to talk about why you chose that book? Yeah, well, so last week, our last episode, when we were touching on Memorial Day, I introduced the book because that was the first day of our book challenge. And I mentioned how it kind of related to Memorial Day and just the idea of the war state and a state and how it empowers itself and how it kind of props itself up and continues itself is a lot to do with how it just perpetuates war. And of course, war is the health of the state. To kind of go more in line with uh, what we want to talk about this week, another thing that I pulled from that book, and it's one of those things where I kind of knew already. And then in reading this book, it just like solidified what I was thinking and put it into words in ways that I never, ever could or can. I mean, the way Rothbard can write an essay, holy hell. Goals! Essay goals! But, so, I want to pull this one quote out from a subsection, how the state preserves itself, and I think this will kind of set the stage for maybe our opinions on the topic of education and, uh, quote-unquote, the intelligentsia and people we're supposed to be looking up to or, you know, people who are supposed to be the experts who we need to listen, who we need to fall in line behind. Anyway, he talks about how the state apparatus is like a full-time bureaucracy. And so people these days, you might hear them talking about the deep state a lot. But who's propping up the deep state? Who's quote-unquote the deep state? It's like military-industrial complex, but it's also the CIA. And so then we see people like John Brennan, who nationally televised, lied to Congress and thus the rest of us about whether or not the government, the NSA, was spying on private citizens. Thank you to all the people that have leaked everything since uh, and just continues to expose the absolute corruption Mm -hmm. that we should all know about. Like, we should all sense and feel that there's something wrong, but it just doesn't seem to be there. Anyway, so, like, people like that, think about that when you um, hear this, and so it's like, 
The majority must be persuaded by the ideology that their government is good, wise, and at least inevitable, and certainly better than other conceivable alternatives. That's why every time we talk about like our libertarian society, our voluntarist society, people one of the stupidest but first questions asked is, okay, well, how will we build the roads? <laughs> because you need you need a government. You need this stupid, awful, evil Mo state roads. apparatus in Washington, D.C., those morons who are so far up each other's own you-know-whats that, but we still want them to be in charge of how we build roads in our neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. Come on, guys. Like, let's break it down a little bit from there. So promoting this idea that we need these people, um, and at the very least it's inevitable, it's the vital social task of the intellectuals, quote-unquote. For the masses of men do not create their own ideas or indeed think through these ideas independently. They follow passively the ideas adopted and disseminated by the body of intellectuals or who are otherwise seen as the opinion molders. These people were supposed to follow and trust and idolize. Mm -hmm. So I thought that's another reason I think this was a good spark and start to our book club discussion. Like, I love reading. I'm such a nerd. I love learning. The thing I miss about school the most is learning. But you know what? And we were talking about this before the episode, and I think it's you would agree with me, but I've learned so much more Mm -hmm. from things that I've had to sort of teach myself and or I go out in search of the information and to gain knowledge for myself for no other reason than I want to know. I want to know the truth. I want to understand. And so I've learned and taught myself so much more since college than I think I ever learned my entire 12 years of actual schooling and then the schooling beyond. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, one of the one of the other podcasters on our network, Ryan Burgett, he does the techno agorist show and he talks about in one of his episodes about self-education, you know, because he was Cause they homeschool like all their 30 kids and he was homeschooled. And so he remembers. Okay, go- makes sense. He remembers being homeschooled. His mom gave him some books to choose from and he would choose which books to read on his own. And then he, I think at the end, like maybe like in high school, he went to back to school and he was just noticing how different kids thought about education. They were learning. He was like in a chemistry class or a some math class. And one of the girls he was studying with was asking him to explain to her how to do a math problem and he just handed her a book and she just looked at him blankly and it just dawned on him what's a book that's how she that's how she was taught to learn is to just sit back and let people just pour this information onto you and maybe you might absorb some of it whereas he was taught you're an active participant not only that but you're the you're the only one doing it for you nobody else is teaching you you're teaching yourself so he probably he probably was baffled by her behavior because that's how he learned all his life up until that point. So I'm I'm like her. I went to school all my life. So I remember being in college and going to lectures and needing to go to lectures instead of mm-hmm. uh, instead of some of the other kids I was in college with that were homeschool kids and they were like why are we doing this every day I could do the I could read the book at home and it took me a while to realize their their thought process and I was like yeah I wish I was like that I wish that from the very beginning of my education that my parents had done that to me because I probably would have been <laughs> a better student probably would have done a lot better but I didn't learn until later in life how to do all that so 
kudos to him for doing that with his kids. I'm hoping I can pass that on to my kids, too. No, I'm definitely thinking about that all the time, even though I'm unmarried and have no kids. But the kids I want to have, I want them to be able to think critically and think freely and be able to come up with answers on their own. I mean, I'm going to be there for them every step of the way, answering their questions or probably giving them questions right back, like trying to help them figure things out. Because I think growing up, I was fortunate enough, like we went to, I think a Montessori school really helped. Um, My brother, sister, and I were all kind of a little bit, (laughs) a little bit different um, in terms of what most popular opinions are. We've all each got our own thing. And then even amongst ourselves, we've got our differences, but we kind of reason through them. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, we respect the other's opinion and whatnot. Like, oh, we respect a differing opinion. (sighs) Imagine that. Oh, God. Um, I know. So, you know, you know, I think it taught us just that there are different paths and different ways to approach things and like kind of were inadvertently taught how to figure things out for ourselves. And on top of that, I was absolutely just so lucky to have more or less three sets of grandparents around me all the time. And so I I love old people. (laughs) I think that's because I've had old people around me all, all the time and they were always like the kind of people that celebrated my curiosity mm-hmm. and my grandfather I still have in my baby books and like photo albums like <laughs> he would get so impressed and so delighted with my new words <laughs> that he would jot down all the new words I was saying that day Aww. and he would just like up- update my parents when they both got home from work because like I was very vi- we were all very lucky that a lot of our early child care was while we went to schooling of some sort we had mostly like our grandparents to fall back on. So it was just like a, it was a never ending journey of uh, actual education, I think. And then, you know, then came schooling, which I think, you know, I think you'd agree. And people like Ryan would agree that schooling does not necessarily equal education. Yeah. It, It means that you know how to regurgitate information back to people is what it means now. Do you mean like following orders? Yeah, sort of like that. I mean, you were you wrote a really good thing on your last when you posted the last book about how you just figure out what your English teachers wants to hear and you write your little book report based off of that. It took me a long time to figure that out. I was probably best at English and literature and stuff like that. That was probably where I was the best at in school, but when it came to book reports and things like that, I always struggled because I would talk about what I was interested in and not... Oh, no. And, God forbid. Yeah, <laughs> and I wouldn't put, put into the book like what the teacher had just said that she got out of it. Because I remember reading mm-hmm. The Crucible, and this is a very telling thing because I wrote a book report. I, I transferred schools. So the school I went to before was head. It was a private school, so it was a head we read The Crucible and I wrote a book report and made an A plus on it. Teacher was like, I want you to read this book report in front of the class. It's the best book report I've ever I've ever seen. And then I write I, I have to read The Crucible again for the next year class. For some reason they mm-hmm. they waited a year later to to read the crucible at that school. So I told the teacher, I'm like, I've already read the book and I've already written a report on it. Can I read something else? No, you have to read this book again and write a report about this again. Uh, so get one size fits all. So I was like, uh, okay, 
F that, not reading this book again, because first off, I hate The Crucible. I think it's a, I think it's a dumb book. I'm sorry. I'm going to be ignorant for a minute. <laughs> I don't even know what that book is. <laughs> it's basically... Should I? Am I missing out or am I okay? <sighs> You're not. I'm okay with that. Okay? You're not. <laughs> that sigh. That sigh tells me I'm okay with it's that. About, it's basically about the Salem Witch Trial. And ah, uh, well, I was never... Considering... Considering the sage I've got burning next to me and the essential oils downstairs that I always brew and play with, like, I would have been burned at yeah. the sandwich trials, it's, me and my her- heretical opinions. I guess I just really didn't like it. And so I had to read it again and I wrote a book report about, or I didn't read it again. What am I saying? I was like, screw that. I'm not going to read this book again. I already have a book report written. I'm just going <laughs> to recycle it. Did you mention what grade was this? This was... You said you transferred junior, your head and it kind of went back. This was junior, junior year. Yeah, I read it in 10th okay. grade and then I went mm-hmm. to a public school for mm-hmm. my junior and senior year. And, yeah. So, yeah, so anyways... Contrary in you. <laughs> yeah. She didn't like the book report that I had written and made an A-plus on for my other teacher. And I realized at that point that English teachers are arbitrary... And it's kind of a joke. I mean, I don't know. Just teaching English literature, you're basically not learning anything, in my opinion, in school on English literature. You're basically learning what your teacher thinks is cool about it. And you just have to, like, regurgitate back to them what they want you to get out of it instead of what you actually get out of it. Because let's face it. Not everybody has a, like, you. nobody can sit in a room and even agree on their favorite music. Why would you think that you're going to have a classroom full of kids excited about this book that you picked out? You're not. Yeah. And most of the time, the books that they make you read for school, I mean, they're not, they're, they're not really high caliber books, in my opinion. I don't know. That's been yeah, my experience. it kind of depends. And and then, so, like, things change, have changed over the years, even, like, while I was in school or, you know, even the bit of high school for four years. I do want to give them the benefit of the doubt. Like, I know there are good teachers out there. I know there are good English teachers out there. I know, like, okay, so the other, maybe the first episode, I dished a little hate to the English majors of the world. But, you know, my cousin's an English major, and I love having, like, actual debates with him on um different books and different ideas and we talk about things all the time and one of my very good friends diana like she's Mm -hmm. also an english major and she's totally gone down her own kind of self-discovery and intellectual journey and is now in her dream job not dissing all you i don't want to collectivize everybody into a category where i think you're lesser or anything but anyway (laughs) no so sometimes it's not necessarily the teachers that choose the books it's sometimes that what they're forced to do so that just goes into like this state-controlled top-down educational approach versus um like the teachers having more autonomy and so you know that can go both ways some teachers really do suck and probably have tenure and can do whatever they want and dish out bad opinions and terrible book choices you know then there's other ones that really do try but like to what you were saying it's like Everybody, it should be about how you approach the book and, like, what you get out of it and what you're able to state and explain and reason to why you thought those things from that book, like, versus you're supposed to think this about that book. 
Yeah. And so, yeah. A lot of the, and um, so just like if you go to Instagram, you can check out our entire collection of books from this Liberty Book Club, uh, hashtag Liberty Book Club we did this week. Like I said, we started with Anatomy of the State and we just posted our last one today, right? Is that today? Yeah. I'm a time warp. I'm in a weird time warp. Those were all books that we chose to read of our own accord. Yeah. With the exception, the weird, like slight ex- semi exception is the book I posted today was Animal Farm. And so, like, I did get assigned that to read that in eighth grade, but <laughs> I, I, of course, didn't. I didn't read it like when I was supposed to. Yeah, I, can't, I went back and read it later. I watched the movie and laughed my butt off <laughs> when um, was it? Who's the first pig that dies? I can't remember. Oh, never mind. You haven't read it yet. Okay. Yeah. Don't. Uh, spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. <laughs> well, it's not a spoiler alert because it's literally just like a parody, almost an animal form of the Russian or the Soviet Revolution. Yeah. So you know. It's definitely on my list. First? <laughs> yeah. I've read, I've read, the um, movie's pretty comical. I read 1984 of George Orwell's, which that was actually, I found that interesting because we were, so that was a required reading for our seniors at my private school, but it was not a required reading for public school, which I find that to be interesting today because I'm thinking, well, why would the public school system not want us to read 1984? Oh, okay. Now that I've read it. Yeah. I see why which is just interesting to me. I mean, I think that should be a required reading for everybody. That in Fahrenheit 451 um, by, uh, who was it? God, I just blanked on Ray, Ray Bradbury. Yeah, Ray Bradbury. That's another one that I think everybody needs to read because we are literally... Side note in on those Ray times. Bradbury, Fahrenheit 451. Do not settle with just watching that HBO <laughs> movie. It was not. It did not do it justice. I gave it. I gave it uh, my best effort. Did you? Did you see that by chance? Uh, the one I saw was like from nineteen sixty something. The old school one. No, yeah. So the HBO did a did a revamp. Because what's ironic about that and the nineteen eighty four? So I did recently for the first time read nineteen eighty four myself. Because again, I think it may have been assigned to some of the other classes in school, but. Not to make me seem smarter than I am. Like, I was always in the honors classes or the upper level, higher level classes, which I think is also funny. Like, don't give the smart kids the books that are going to make them really think. (laughs) Give them the kids that, you know, maybe not be as gifted and probably (laughs) definitely won't read that book. I think that's a a (laughs) little thing we could go on a tangent about, too. Um, Conspiracy mood. Yeah, yeah. So it's just interesting that we're in this time where we actually kind of are living that fictional world, that dystopian-like era that we're actually almost a part of. But it's and then also like I'll put on the I don't know if we've talked about it before, but I also read the Handmaid's Tale. Handmaid's Tale. Yeah. So it's like these people, like the mainstream media, just like mainstream blogger blogosphere. They're talking about how we're living in 1984 and like we're living in the Handmaid's Tale <laughs> yeah. and like all and it's just like where have you been, and why is it only why is it only like the Trump presidency like in him himself that makes you think we're in that, it's like where have you been, you're late to the party yeah. and then you're still not even aware of who actually is at the party with you, and like what the actual theme of the party is, like check yourself. Yeah, I mean. I am hesitant to say that Trump is even part of that because he's so just a mess. To He's not put together <laughs> enough for it to even be, I'm sorry, for that to even be believable. I wish he was. <laughs> All right. 
No, I don't wish he was more authoritarian than he yeah. is. I, I'm actually don't that read into that that way. That we've I've talked about this with some friends with even my grandmother because my grandmother hates him and thinks he's just not presidential. I'm like I'm glad he's not because what I think of presidential as someone who's fake. So you know I I, yeah. I don't want that. I don't want someone who's going to lie to me. I, I don't. I don't want somebody who's going to tell me what I want to hear all the time. I don't want a prefabricated politician. Yeah, and I would almost say... There's nothing scarier. Yeah, I would definitely say that if we're going to... In my lifetime, because I'm older than Maddie, in my lifetime, I would say that it's always kind of been that way, 1984-ish. I think that during the Bush administration is when it really kicked off and became real to me that this is what's happening. And it had to be. Yeah. Because it went to... the state wanted to go to war. Yeah. It had to lie its way and confund the public to think that they wanted to go to war. Everybody in Congress. And that's basically what was going on in the book. Exactly. They were uh, always in war. war. War is peace. War is peace. Yeah. And then, uh, if anybody, if anybody hasn't read that book yet, please, please do. It's, you know, really short. You'll get through it pretty quickly. It's kind of weird in certain ways. Whatever, have at it. Just look at it, especially in the way that um, they seem to keep conveniently changing history when they mm-hmm. need it to, or they. Um, and that's uh, the main character's whole job, like to actually go back and edit, <laughs> edit history, edit yep. newspapers, edit journal articles, edit TV segments, unperson somebody, yep. get rid of somebody, make somebody go back in time and make somebody the enemy who all of a sudden is out of the state's favor. Tell me that's not happening. Tell me that's not something that's been happening for decades. Yeah. But, like, yeah. And so, like, I think, like, the Bush era, and honestly, like, it was probably happening because everybody thought Clinton was cool. Clinton was not cool. Yeah. Definitely even before that. I would even go back, I would even venture to say that it might have really gone into hyperdrive with, like, the killing of, or the assassination of JFK. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised by that at all. I, I'm not going to doubt that there's some kind of connection. George Orwell probably had no idea that he was basically writing a, a manual to people on how to manipulate a large group of people because that's exactly what's going on. You could even say that maybe that was what was going on before then because I would even say that it started happening after World War One. In our country. Our involvement or our introduction into World War II required a lot of propaganda, a lot of lies and manipulation, and Mm -hmm. relying on the emotion of the people and toying with them to get us involved and to send our boys to... the People were still being conscripted to just round up our boys and send them overseas to fight in a war that they were told that they had to go do. And if you listen to Thaddeus Russell on the topic, like, he's my favorite person to disagree with. But <laughs> in one th- one area, he really is. Like, he makes me think and so- he makes me so angry sometimes. But you know what? Like, I become stronger and a better thinker because of him. But anyway, so uh, if you've never listened to Thaddeus Russell, check out his unregistered podcast. I really do want to read his book, Renegades, or like, Renegade History, and uh, basically how the people you want to think are not good people or um, scoundrels or mongrels or they might not be uh, normally favored in the public but they're the ones that actually quote unquote wrote history and like 
our are the history that yeah. we see. We but we're not told about or taught about or not taught about favorably, I should say. Well, I think that's true, yeah. He talks about how um they made World War Two a race issue and that was one, how it made people support it more strongly back then, but also how it's kind of mythologized it to this day. It's a completely different memory of World War Two than what was actually happening in what World started War II. it yeah and what fueled it and another thing i'll say about thaddeus russell and then i'll get off the topic of him but it connects to what i was talking about from rothbard's anatomy of the state is that he always points out that it's the intellectuals that get us into these wars it's these opinion molders these people in academia these experts these people that we're supposed to look up to and trust those are the people that send that result in us getting sent to war. Mm-hmm. So be, be careful who you listen to. Yeah, <laughs> As definitely. I've said before. Well, first off, never think that what you're being told on the news is 100% true. You can't. I literally had um, somebody, I was talking to somebody the other day about, um, we were talking about Alex Jones. And I'm not saying on here that I'm a huge fan of Alex Jones or anything. But she was saying that Alex Jones is just a liar and basically just that he just makes up stuff and he should that's why he should be deplatformed because he makes up stuff and he incites violence and she was citing the whole situation with the the kids in Connecticut Sandy Hook yeah the Sandy Hook thing and i was like well why don't you listen to the latest podcast he was on with Joe Rogan because he really talks about that in detail it's a 4 hour long podcast so he it was like 5 hours and I did listen to every minute of that. He was literally grilled on that topic because that was one of Joe Rogan's biggest issues. And he talks about how he got that wrong. He apologized for that. And he did, and he even went back and tried to make a statement on his show about do not retaliate on these people. Do not commit violence towards these people. And I think it was some crazy chick that confronted a fan of family. And I think she was literally crazy. Like she ended up having to go to the hospital because of it. You know, that was one of the things that I was trying to make a point is that, like, that's what the media does is they say these people are crazy. These people are saying violent things. We need to shut them down because they might incite more violence. They're dangerous. Meanwhile, we have Antifa literally hitting people in the face with bike locks and calling people Nazis and punching people who they disagree with, pouring pee on people's faces urine yeah throwing feces like they're animals is not inciting violence i mean i'd say that's disgusting it's a little bit double-sided or one-sided i mean it's i just don't get that how you can demonize somebody where there was one instance of violence and not demonize your side which has multiple instances of violence and it's all coming from the mainstream media and you have people say huh. you have people saying by all means necessary punch a nazi and nowadays the definition of nazi is so all over the place i mean it encompasses so many different people insert meme yeah everyone who i don't like is a nazi yeah so i mean you can you're justifying punching anybody that you disagree with essentially i know my friend is going to f- listen to this and we're going to have a long text conversation about that but uh, we still love you friend yes i mean she's obviously I don't know who you are, but I... She's obviously an intelligent person because she's my friend. So, I mean, that's just one thing we disagree on, I think. But we agree on almost well, everything quick, else. Though, like, so before we lose the whole Alex Jones thing, 
he's held to a higher standard of truth, it seems, than people like Hillary Rodham Clinton, Colin Powell, John Bolton, all the people that, um, and James Brennan, uh, yep. Clapper, <laughs> all these people that, Comey, freaking Mueller, like, not Mueller today, Mueller, Mueller that went along with going to get us into Iraq. Jesse Smollett, Kamala Harris. Jesse Smollett, <laughs> Oh my God! Like, why are these people able to not be truth or get away with not being truthful? And when it's the ramifications of their untruths, their lies, their quote unquote mistakes or misreading of information, have led to the deaths of millions of people over decades of warfare. And it's like everybody wants to rag on Alex Jones for getting something wrong and apologizing profusely for it about a school shooting yes. as unfortunate and as tragic as any school shooting is. Everybody wants to talk about the, that chick that got run over in Charlottesville while she was protesting against the, the quote-unquote Nazis, which I guess, no, I shouldn't say quote-unquote because there were literal Nazis in that. It sounds like there were yeah. some Nazis. And white supremacists and all that. Um, but And I'll say losers. Yeah. Losers. If you're a Nazi, like an actual Nazi, like an actual white supremacist these days, like you're a loser. There are countless better ideas and your your guys ideas were proven wrong get over yourself yeah why didn't you just leave him alone like that's why i don't understand these guys nobody i mean i guess maybe back then you know there's like six yeah there might be six actual nazis in the entire united states there's not that many and everybody hates them what was it back in 19 or 2016 it was you know still like a new thing we were surprised that there were even still white supremacists so <laughs> it's like where were you guys <laughs> i know like why are you guys showing up now glad all eight of you have uh, made yourselves known way to go yeah and i think that that explains why people were protesting it at that time but now it's like okay you guys really shouldn't be afraid of these people. There's there's like six of them. The majority of the people on the right don't identify as white nationalists or Nazis. And we hate these people. So, you know, let's move on. And there was uh, there's actually a protest, I think it was this week, where um, in downtown Knoxville, where I'm from, and there was a there was a white supremacist group down there that were marching. I think there was like I don't even know like six people there, and there were so many more protesters against them than there were actually protesters that were like, "Yay, white people, we want to take over the world." <laughs> Good luck with that. Um, right. Or actually take over America, I guess. And actually, they they I don't know why they protest because nobody agrees with them. And if nobody showed up to these protests, then nobody would then they would be, they would just disappear back into obscurity. But we keep giving these people attention. Yeah, we are propping them up by giving them attention and any and, and giving them importance where there isn't any and that they don't have right. any. Like, people made Richard Spencer popular. Exactly. And that guy, like, has no friends. That is why Alex Jones is such a big deal. Because you guys made him into such a big deal. That's why Milo Yiannopoulos is such a big deal. I might have something to counter there with you. Um, so, like, Alex Jones and Milo in particular, they made their own popularity. And so, thus, mm -hmm. they're more dangerous. Richard Spencer, on the other hand, I think is manufactured popularity. And so, he's still allowed on Twitter. Yeah, I don't get that. I mean, but there's always some kind of reasoning. I think there's always, I'm always looking for the sleight of hand or like, 
why is this the shiny object that they're showing? What are they not showing us? Like, oh, speaking of shiny objects and just something I'll drop here is like the whole time we were having that abortion debate uh, in this country, they were ramping things up to go invade or interfere in uh, Venezuela. They were getting everybody mm-hmm. hot and heavy and um, way over energized about war with Iran. Like, whenever ever you see some dumb internal debate that really we shouldn't even be having, yeah. at least on a national level, like, keep it with your states and your communities and figure out the best thing that works for your people and then figure out the best thing that works for yourself and get the hell out of that state. If you disagree, you know, we're trying to all evolve to a better state, but we're not going to do so on a 300 plus million level nationally. Anyway, always think about what is going on behind the scenes. If you're getting waved and dangled this carrot in front of you, Mm -hmm. what is behind your back? And that's a big thing that a lot of the books that we're talking about talk about these types of societies, these governments that they dangle in front of you. Here's what's important. You should focus on this. Meanwhile, they're starting wars Mm -hmm. and they're doing things behind the scenes that if you had known about it, you probably would disagree with it. But they do that to distract you. And demoralize you. And desensitize you. Our media focus so much on trying to argue the, the abortion debate which we could get, I mean, that's just a whole different episode we could even go into, but, and I've already talked about it a little bit. Yeah. Check out episode I don't really want to do it again. (laughs) Yeah. It all comes down to knowing your history. The United States of America is called the United States because we are separate states that are united together, and we allow each state to have their own laws, their own rights within a certain means. So it is it is constitutional for for Alabama to have stricter laws against abortion than California. That's okay because you as an American citizen have the right to move to California if you want to have your abortion. Or if you don't like living in California because you don't like their laws there, you can move to Alabama or move to Texas or move to wherever. That's the that's the beauty of... Like so, so many people are moving from California to Texas and then changing Texas into what California yeah. is or was. Yeah. That's another that's Yeah, another I know that some podcast. people that probably... We could probably even put on... We could interview and they could take over for us on that episode. Um, yeah, right. But I think that that's the beauty of our nation is that we allow people that individual freedom. If we lose that, then we become like 1984, where we have to have somebody convincing the masses of what they're supposed to believe because it's not a natural thing for people to all agree on the same thing. That will never happen naturally. We will always be individuals. I'm totally drawing a blank on, um, what's the name of the country like it's supposed to be in 1984? Oceana or something like that. I think that's one of the countries that it's always at war with, but I guess it's like whatever Europe is in that dystopian future, but it it collectivizes the world into like three countries or four countries at times, given whoever is winning the war, not winning the war, but yeah, fabricated nonsense. <laughs> but another book that I was thinking of, you know, kind of like Animal Farm and Anatomy of the State, that kind of is a, it's a novel, so it's actually a story. Mm-hmm. Well, so is Animal Farm, I guess, but uh, I really suggest to a lot of my friends who are leaning towards socialism or communism as a idea for our government to read Germinal because it really 
talks it really goes into detail how groupthink is can lead to disastrous things and one of the characters in the novel is a russian who is a marxist it goes into detail in the story about how that ideology starts to just decay everything it ends up disastrously for the main characters and for the people that the people that they demonized as having all the wealth and having all the control you realize it you have to kind of read through the whole story to get to that point but you realize that they don't they weren't as the evil people that you thought they were they were just people like everybody else who had kids that had a house who had a life who had ideas for the future just like everybody else did and it probably could have turned into a different scenario if everybody would have not thought so negatively of the other. You know, it's kind of like when all you do is just think about the other person as this evil person and then you finally reach them and you're just a complete butt face to them. What do you expect to get in return? So you have to think about that. I've talked about this in my in the um, on the abortion debate. If you really want to get people on your side, you have to be nice to them first. <laughs> you have to they have to know that you're not trying to do mean and evil things to them so germinal really really illustrates that i think that raises the good and important point and which i think is a good overarching theme and just truth that we're experiencing and forced to put up with and it'll be sort of our own decision our own choices that will help us get over a lot of the propaganda that's sent our way and spewed at us that those who disagree with us or have different opinions are evil and okay sometimes they actually are evil like people who are pro-murder pro-warfare state like I'm gonna think you're evil but I'm also gonna probably give you the benefit of the doubt that you've been lied to and you have accepted that lie and I forgive you for that and I know Jesus does too and we can get past these things if we're we're willing to keep it keep the idea that we are humans and we are here together and it's not about like something that i think about all the time and so we've definitely got our criticisms and we i think we talked about them with with reagan but it's a it's a quote i guess it's attributed to him but he was talking about how the conflict isn't between right and left or like Mm -hmm. us amongst ourselves amongst the people it's about those that are governing and those that are being governed yep and i think that that highlights and that kind of is an overarching theme amongst all the both fiction and nonfiction books that we brought up in our Liberty Book Club this week. Things that we've since put ourselves, you and I, Jesse, deciding to educate ourselves, trying to stay informed, trying to keep our brains moving and activated. Yeah. Because when it comes down to it, we can't rely on other people to tell us the truth. We can't rely on them to teach us what's actually important. It's important to keep your mind open and listen to everything. Take in information is free. Be aware of your own bias. I think that's, that's the big thing. It's like be aware of your own bias. Know that you have these biases. So what you're sometimes I have to do that to myself. I'll I'll realize that all I've been listening to are podcasts that just support my opinion on everything. Sometimes I need to get outside of that. I'll listen to some of some of the podcasts that my friends will who are not uh, libertarians will suggest to me. So that means I'm listening to Ben Shapiro sometimes. Sometimes I'm listening to more liberal type podcasts. Like I've been uh, listening to, uh, what is it? Something about bastards, like 
I, I want to say Battle of the Bastards, but that's not it, because that's a totally different thing. That sounds Game of Thrones-ish. <laughs> right? Yeah, it is Game of Thrones. But this one is about the history of, like, the just bad people, and they these two guys are comedians. They do, they talk, they're obviously leftists, and they talk about different people throughout history that are, that did bad things. Another thing that I was going to say, since you brought up that quote, it reminded me of an Alexander Solzhenitsyn quote, which... I think is pretty telling about um, the way that his books are written. I suggest reading Cancer Ward because that's what I put in my book club Mm -hmm. thing. But this quote is, it says, the battle line between good and evil runs through the heart of every man. So if you're looking at your arch enemy, for example, and you're thinking that guy is the embodiment of evil. I hate that person. I want him shut down. I don't want to like maybe it's Alex Jones. I, I want him off the internet. I don't want to hear anything he has to say. You need to also take a good look at yourself in the mirror because potential for evil is in every single one of us. We all have thoughts like that every day that we want to do something to somebody else. That we want to hurt somebody else. We want to shut somebody down. It comes from inside of all of us. It's something that's not unique. Some of us are better at pushing that person down than others. So you're not... The, the big key is humility. You do not have the right to judge other people because you're just as bad. You're just as good. You're just as whatever as the other person is. Because you're human. Yeah. That's why I think it's okay for Trump to talk to Kim Jong-un and Vladimir Putin because we need to give them a chance to speak their minds to our, to our leaders. We need to give them an ear and they'll give us an ear. You have to give them a chance. Yeah, because if they're as dangerous as everybody says they are, and they very well could be because everybody has that capacity, and history has shown us that people have done awful things to each other, to their citizens, to other countries, the citi- innocent citizens of other countries. It's just like, see Slaughterhouse-Five, mm-hmm. bombing of Dresden. <sighs> yeah, but that was us. That was us. That was us. We killed innocent women and children during World War II. Imagine that. Imagine that, but we were the noble, the noble people, the no, the good guys, right? But um, mm-hmm. anyway, I guess one last thing that is that something that you made me think of, and I suggest it wasn't in our book club, but I do highly recommend it. Like people have their criticisms, criticisms of, and one book that really changed my life, and especially my 2018, and is one of the guiding resources. Cam's gonna like totally roll his eyes, but um. Jordan Peterson's 12 Rules for Life, because, like, in particular to what you were just saying, Rule 6, mm-hmm. clean up your own house and, and r- clean up your own room is the, became the meme, but it's basically, like, fix your own life, fix your own problems before you go criticize the world. Mm-hmm. And so before you go demonize the other person for thinking differently, make sure everything, make sure your blind spots are sorted out, make sure they're cleaned up, and um, I really do try, I try, 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 try to do so. Yeah, that's a voluntary, that's a voluntarious viewpoint. It is. If everybody's got their own clean room, I think we're all going to get a lot along and respect each other a lot more because there's something therapeutic about it as well. It starts as with the individual. It always starts with the individual people. Like that's why communism and socialism cannot function because you've, you, there are no you completely disassociate the individual from the equation. It always starts with you at the very simplest thing that you can even do is change yourself first get yourself in order first that's what it always comes down to if you're not a christian you can talk about the you know 
any novel will talk about this. I mean, that's what it comes down to in Germinal. That's what it comes down to in Cancer Ward. That's what it comes down to in every Anthem or every Anne Rand book. That mm-hmm. I've ever read. We the Living. Uh, everybody should read We the Living too. Everybody talk only knows Ayn Rand for Atlas Shrugged. Wow. It's universal. It's only a recent, you know, twentieth century concept that we think about the collective. Or in countries where, let's just face it, they're not as progressed as we are in human rights. That's just what I I was just gonna say. It was my little rant. It was just we have to think about what we need to do what we have control over, which is ourselves. And what we, how we, if we want the world to be a better place, we have to be a better person. And with a classic Gandhi paraphrase, be the change you want to see in the world. Mm-hmm. It's true. It has, it has to start with you. Yep. Well, anyways, this has been fun. <laughs> I love talking about books. Like I said, I'm a huge nerd. And so like thinking about thinking and talking about talking, and especially <laughs> like when I can rail against the war state, <laughs> like, that's some of my favorite things to do. So thanks for spending another morning with me, Jesse. No problem. I love it. As we mentioned and alluded to a few times in the show here today, you can find us on Instagram, Voluntary Vixens. We're on Twitter at Vixens Voluntary. You know, go figure. And we are blowing up on Instagram. Instagram loves us. Oh, Instagram. <laughs> Instagram loves us. I love Instagram. Like, I'm about it. That's because memes are life. And we have a Patreon now, too. We do have a Patreon. Um, that I still have to get... I'm, pr- I'm thinking about putting some some of our uh, stuff on there just so that you can find us. But it's at... The Vs are capitalized voluntary... Or no, sorry. Vixen uh, underscore voluntary 01. Patreon.com. So. We could put that in the show notes for you because that sounds complicated. Yeah. It is complicated because somebody already took voluntary Vixens from us. So How dare they? I know. Well, anyways, happy day. Keep it sane, keep it peaceful, and keep it voluntary, people. Keep it voluntary. (laughs) Bye, folks. Peace out.